You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. For them, love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. And uh, officially now that we're in the month of June, uh, the Batman Universe is going into a podcasting network. Uh, we don't have all the uh, information yet. Dustin is still working on the uh, actual audio that you'll hear that we'll insert in every episode to let you know about all the podcasts the Batman Universe uh, podcasting network has to offer. But you can look forward to that coming in probably the next probably the next time we record. We'll have the all the official rundown. So Dustin just wanted me to let everybody know to go check out BatmanUniverse.net as we. We always tell you that's where this home is located. Uh, we're also uh, linked in with uh, Batman on Film at the Batman Podcast Network. So we got two different networks going on there, <laughs> very similar. So you have BatmanUniverse.net and the BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. Uh, great podcasts on both. You get a hold of us a few different ways on Facebook.com. Everyone loves the Drake. We're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. And you can look at us on YouTube, and we're trying to get some more content there. And we also have an Instagram. So pretty much anywhere where you're on social media, you can find some version of Everyone Loves the Drake out there for all your needs. Uh, Terrence, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, great, Rob. Uh, it's good to be here. I know Ryan couldn't make it. He's uh, on baby shower weekend. So yeah. we, we said, don't worry, Ryan. We got it. We pick up the slack. We'll take care of it. Plus, he's, he's working on uh, his new podcast for the Asriel podcast. I'm sure. Does he have a name for it yet? Or is it? Yeah, it's uh, Agent of the Bat. If I if I have oh, that cool. correct, I'll, I'm going to pull it up here as we're as we're kind of talking. But um, I'm, I'm really eager to kind of listen to what he's going to be doing. Uh, there, I was only reading Azrael when it tied in to to Batman stories, and I always thought that oh, was a really good Azrael issue, but I never I never went down the path and just read picked up Azrael. So this will be really kind of cool. I can get some uh, good homework on, uh, or get some good knowledge rather on the Azrael podcast. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've really liked Azrael in the new. Uh New Detective Comics. They've done a, a pretty good job with him. And you know what I like is uh, James Tinney in the fourth. Like, every one of his characters has a different voice. Like, Azriel is so different than anybody else, and so is Clayface. Like, you know, I love Kevin Smith, but if you watch a Kevin Smith movie, 
every single character talks like Kevin Smith, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then my, my wife and, and girls love the show called Gilmore Girls. And it's, yeah. it's not a bad show. It's, it's very well written. But every single character talks the same way. Like no matter where they go or who they meet, that person talks the exact same way. So and But James Tinian, and he's really given a voice to all the, the different characters. I only wish he had more Tim Drake. That's kind of – we got to get him out of prison or wherever the heck he is. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Asriel podcast, and it's just listed on uh, Twitter as Asriel Podcast. Um, so you can uh, find him there at Asriel Podcast at Asriel Podcast on Twitter. So I think he's kind of uh, just kind of keeping things kind of under wraps as they're getting ready to do their first episode coming up here pretty quick. And I think they've got something special uh, in the works for the first episode. So that'll be really cool to hear it when it comes out. Yeah, and so uh, I'm kind of jealous of you. Um, getting to go to the the Motor City Comic Con was mm-hmm. it last weekend? Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. a week ago. Yep. So how was that? Any good stories or any? Uh, I think you met uh, Neil Adams, right? Yeah, I met Neil. <laughs> I met Neil Adams. Uh, I, I was telling you guys just a little bit uh, briefly about it, um, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I actually talked to Neil about uh, our podcast, so. Nothing is official, but I would I would kind of want to let the listeners know that he was like, as long as it's interesting, he's like, I'm down for anything. And he said, uh, I'm he said he's actually in the phone book. If you look up oh, wow. Neil Adams in the phone book, you can actually I don't know if he wants me to tell this or not. He said he tells everybody this, but you know, every once in a while he'll get a call of like, is this Neil Adams? He'll be like, <laughs> yes. This is Neil Adams that wrote Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Yes, and then they'll quickly hang up. You know, yeah. like. You know, so he's like, I'm not that hard to get a hold of. So uh, he said, yeah, I was telling him about the the show. And he's like, oh, Tim Drake, I helped uh, design the suit for Tim Drake along with Norm Brayfogle. So I was getting like, I wanted to pull out my phone right there and record like, please, please save us into the microphone. But it was really cool. But there there is kind of like two sides to, to Neil Adams. There's the uh, Neil Adams that's uh, talking to you just kind of at the table. But like once you've got like a print in his hand. Uh, in your hand that you're going to buy, then it's he's he's full on uh, Neil Adams and had had some really cool uh, stories to tell, and he was cool. real uh, cool and uh, you know not that he wouldn't be, but you know my wife was along with me, and yeah you know, she would just was taking pictures of you know of books that I was getting signed from different creators and whatnot, and he he was actually like talking to her, which I thought was really pretty cool. It wasn't like, okay, you're you're here getting stuff signed, so I'm going to talk to, you know, the actual comic fan that's standing in front of me. But he was also, you know, talking, you know, to his wife and to my wife. So she kind of walked away. It's like, that was pretty cool. He included me, you know, in your conversation. So I thought that was, you know, because some people that you meet, you know, they're they're just talking to to you and let me mm-hmm. leave your you know wife or just the other people that you're with but he was just anybody that was around neil adams was he was ready to talk and was really wanting to sell uh batman odyssey <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, which uh, that's that's something i haven't actually like fully read i i want to try and read it um i don't know if you had any thoughts about odyssey or not it's just one of those like i i, I don't know maybe i i just need to have Maybe when we get Neil on here, he can just tell us why we should why we should pick it up. Yeah, you know, I actually I don't own it. I've never read it. Uh, they had like a little preview for it, like in the the comics when it was coming out. I think yeah. it was like a three or four page black and white. Um, and for some reason, I just never I didn't pick it up. And then I think we're doing 
like the bat fans i can't remember if i was on it or just listening to it and tim and dane just hated that book so <laughs> it didn't like make me want to go pick it up so but now maybe that's in trade paperback you know um but there was one story i think i i was texting you about this there's like the batman black and white and he wrote this one story and i just did not get i was like what the heck is this and it's like had zombie batman and i was thinking yeah he just did this because, you know, Walking Dead is popular and he could sell some copies of Zombie Batman. And I'm like, what is this? And then he was on uh, Kevin Smith, Fat Man with Batman, and he, like, explained what the actual story was. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. That's genius. But, like, I didn't get it. Like, I needed it explained to me. Um, I needed the Cliff Notes version <laughs> of a, an eight-page black and white story. So, so I, whatever it is, whatever is Odyssey, I know there's a lot of thought and and – design and and like planning behind it he didn't just throw it together yeah so uh, i'll have to check it out and, and see if i can and dig deeper into it yeah and i think he was even like on that fat man on batman i think he started uh talking about it maybe that's something we'll have to go back and you know uh listen to i would i'd hope we'd be you know we've gotten chuck dixon on the show that'd be cool to you know get a uh, neil adams on the on the show but i did get a, a print from him i've got it here right in front of me um, it's on my uh, showcase issue. Like, I love the showcase books that you can get where they just put like you know 300 comics and they're all black and white. But it's the uh, uh, first Rachel Ghoul uh, story he did, um, and it's I'm trying to slide the print so I can read it. Sorry, I'm being unprepared here. But it's Batman. It's the green cover. Uh, Batman with Robin the Teen Wonder, uh, number two two thirty two. So it's the one where uh, there's a gun pointing at Robin, and Robin's getting like shot in the stomach. It says, if Robin dies tonight, or if I say Robin dies tonight, he dies tonight. And they actually adapted that into the Batman animated series, where Dick gets captured, and you meet Talia for the very first time in that. So um, that was a cool print. got him to, to sign that one. And uh, I got a chance to talk to uh, Jason Fabok, who, if you've been reading The Button, at least all of us Drake fans got that last issue the button where it's like oh tim drake's on the cover of the button that's pretty cool and then he's nowhere in the book so i had to ask him i was like hey i kind of notice tim's on the cover but he's nowhere in the book he said yeah they decided to pull those pages um at the last minute and he said the lenticular covers there's a lot that goes into doing those covers so he said those covers were done months you know prior to the story actually being written they knew they wanted it to be an homage to the original uh, Flash uh, comic. I think Hawkman was on that in those little circles at some point. But he said he knew that he had to draw Batman, uh, Zoom, and uh, Flash, and then Tim Drake at the bottom. And he said, you know, after they pulled the pages, it was like they they weren't going to go back and redo, you know, millions of you know covers <laughs> of yeah. that. So he's like, you know, it just it, it is what it is. He's like, yeah, I've been getting that a lot at the con. So I got him to sign uh, all of my lenticular covers, and I wasn't sure, like, you know, because they're it's not a, a smooth surface, so you know the the ink will kind of bleed in. So after seeing, you know, like three or four people ahead of me get those signed. I'm like, well, if they're getting them signed, I'm getting them signed. <laughs> yeah. And it, it didn't it didn't bleed the books out uh, very much. You know, sometimes, you know, the, the ink from the marker just kind of like runs, kind of has like that spiderweb effect. But it held everything really well. Um, then uh, one of the coolest people that I met, I didn't realize I liked his art until I actually got a chance to talk to him, is Yannick 
Paquillette, I believe. I'm glad you said that, not me, because I don't have a clue how to say it. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, he was super, super nice. Um, I took you. We were there three days, so rather than take you know twenty comic books to (laughs) each of the artists, I broke up into like separate piles. Okay, this is the books I'm gonna take on Friday. This is the books I'll take on Saturday, and you know, etc. And even though the Night of the Monster Men story wasn't the best story in Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I, I loved his uh, covers uh, on those. He did a couple interiors of some of those books. So I had him sign those, and I forgot that he did the original uh, Batman Incorporated uh, books with Grant Morrison. He was one of the artists, like every other book he was on. And he did a really cool cover of Batman um, leaping with the bats behind him in his Incorporated suit, and it's got the yellow... Uh, background on it i bought that as a print because i forgot the book at home but he was he was really cool i got a chance to talk to nicola scott uh she was really cool and uh, she spent some time talking to my wife they were both talking about what's it like to be you know with my wife working in like the uh, financial district she's like what's it like to work be in a predominantly male driven you know industry as far as comics and she was kind of relating that to her job as well so that was kind of one of those times in the at the convention i just kind of sit back and listen to her talk about you know some of her struggles and then she's like i'm not like one of those girly girls she's like so i got no problem telling telling somebody no this is this is how we're doing it so Hmm, uh, she was you know (laughs) real excited about the uh wonder woman movie coming out so i got her to sign a couple of the uh um, Wonder Woman Rebirth books because she's doing like the origin story of Wonder Woman that's uh, shipping um, like every other it's double shipping but she has the the odd book that's talk talking about her origin then of course I got her to sign some Teen Titans books and then I'm sure most people saw um, the sketch I got done by uh, Robson Raka who is currently doing uh, the Green Lantern books with Simon Baz and um uh, I forget her name. Uh, the other female Green Lantern. He's the artist on that book. But um, I, they, I, yeah, the ring always calls her Jaybird, but I can't remember what the heck she's called. Jennifer, maybe yeah. Jennifer Cruz. Yeah, Cruz? Je- Jessica Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Jessica Cruz. Yeah. That's it, Jessica Cruz. Um, he gave. He asked me if I had any of the Green Lantern books. I said no, I'm not. I said I, I hadn't been reading them, so he signed two Green Lantern books and gave them to me. Oh, I nice. Thought, I thought that was pretty cool. And then you and I covered one of. Uh, his uh, books, uh, he was also drawing the Batman Arkham Knight series when we covered uh, the Robin special. And I'd been saving up some money. I wanted to get a sketch done. Uh, Kenneth Rockerfort was there, and uh, I love, absolutely love his art. He reminds me very much of a Jim Lee kind of uh, style. But he was like, some of the like the blank sketch covers, some of the artists think, okay, you're going to go get this you know, graded and try and sell it, so they kind of upcharge uh, the blank sketch covers and like if I get a sketch done by somebody I, I don't want to sell it you know, I want to keep it to myself yeah. so he was charging like 280 bucks 260 bucks for a sketch and I was like man I would love to get some artwork and I wasn't thinking I probably got I got could have gotten something done a lot cheaper on just a normal like sketch paper but I went with Robson and he did uh, the Tim Drake from uh, Arkham Knight on the Batman and Robin Eternal book. And you had put up, once I sent you guys the picture, you put it up on the uh, Batman and Robin Eternal page. And I think I even put it on our Twitter feed as well. But, man, uh, you can just see the uh, emotion that he drew in Tim there. He asked, can I put his hood up? And I was like, 
You can do whatever. <laughs> he's like, no, no. He's yeah. like, you, you tell me. He, he's from uh, Brazil. He's like, no, you, you tell me what you want me to draw. And I said, wow. Tim Drake, he's like, do you want him jumping, leaping? You know, what do you want? I said, you know, make it look like he's just standing on a roof ready for action. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And uh, I was like, I, I couldn't have, pardon the language, but I couldn't have half-assed <laughs> that drawing. Yeah. And uh, he said uh, one of his, I think he had like a handler there, because his English is, is pretty good, but it's not, you know, like you would explain something to him and his handler would kind of have to say, oh, he means this, that, or the other. And uh, he's like, people were coming by the table. It's like there was one guy offering him $200 for your sketch. <laughs> you oh, know? wow. I was like, wow. So he was, it was like 120 for for the sketch, which I thought that was great. And I didn't realize it, you know, until – because he put it back in the bag and board. We took it back to the hotel. When I got home, the sketch actually goes beyond the front cover. It goes into the back. So the cape is really long and almost extends oh, cool. to the back part of the book, which, you know, if I hadn't taken out of the bag and board, I wouldn't have, would have noticed it. So that that was a highlight, getting to, you know, meet somebody that I, I took a book, took like three books of his. Um, he did like a Justice League versus a Suicide Squad, that crossover they did in uh, Rebirth. And uh, a couple Batman Arkham Knight books, and that was it. Because I thought, oh, I've got some books by this guy. And as cool as he was in doing that sketch, he won me over um, as a fan. And I was uh, flipping through his portfolio. So that was like the highlight uh, for me, other than meeting uh, Chris Burnham, um, who was doing uh, the second Batman Incorporated with uh, Grant Morrison, where they end up killing Damien in that book. And I took the Batman and Robin Must Die hardcover uh, graphic novel because I think he only did like two pages in there. And he said that book, you know, like basically changed his life when um, Frank Quitely couldn't do the next Batman and Robin Eternal. He asked Chris Burnham to do the next one. And he said he only had like two or three panels in the book. And, uh, he had a sign on there. My wife, my wife's always really good about saying, Oh, my husband's a real big Robin fan. He's like, Oh, really? So he had signed the book and then reopened it and then quickly did a sketch of uh, Damien really quick on the inside of the book. Oh, cool. And uh, he had a sign on the table. He's like, two-minute sketches, you know, like 20 bucks. And uh, so I went to go pull out like my wallet, like, oh, I, I didn't know you were going to do a sketch, and that that's cool. And he waved me off. He's like, no, man. He's like, can I talk you into buying a print? And I was like, oh, heck yeah. So I bought a, <laughs> yeah. uh, bought a print, which, you know, basically kind of washed it out, so... Um, I had a, had a really good time. And then, hey, course, uh, yeah. To interrupt you for a second, yeah, I met Chris Burnham years ago uh, in Durham, North Carolina, at a free comic book day. He was doing signings, and uh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. And he had, he, I think Batman Incorporated was still coming out. He signed a, um, a Batman Incorporated one of them uh, for me and my kids. He just kind of put his name on the front of it. And then I was going through a sketchbook. He had like the original artwork for mm. the issues where Damien had like bat cow. If you remember yeah, that, like bat yeah. cow and stuff. <laughs> and it was like, it was amazing to be like, this is like the actual like sketch that made it in the comic. But I also wanted to piggyback one thing you said just, uh, for, for listeners and stuff. Um, cause you said, um, you know, they charge a high price because, you know, they know you're going to turn around and sell it on eBay. I've noticed that if if you want the sketch just because you want it and it's not something you want to just turn around and sell, you like want to keep it because uh, um, if you ask them to personalize yes. it, 
personalizing it like decreases the value, makes it hard to sell on eBay. But it's like a red flag of no, I'm not selling it on eBay. I'm keeping this. This means something special to me. And I notice they'll they'll either knock the price down or throw in. Not everybody, of course, yeah. but they'll they'll knock the price down or they'll throw in extras or they'll they'll spend a little more time with it or go above and beyond because they know you're getting it because you want the artwork, not because you're trying to make a quick buck. But you you notice that too? Yeah, like uh, I took um, some books that Mike McCone had done, and I always liked his art in the Jeff Johns Teen Titans run. And I started taking like the single issues, but I started taking trades. Like the trades, I'll just pull off the shelf and I'll read, and it's kind of cool to maybe see a, an autograph in there because it's you know I'm not going to get rid of it. It's personal. Um, so he was charging two dollars a book, and I probably br- brought like five books of his, and I was like. Most everybody, all their autographs were free. Then they were, you know, hoping you would buy a print or you know, sketch work or or something like that. So McComb was charging two bucks um, for for every book that you signed. So quickly, I was like, man, I I brought like six bucks. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be broke, you know, trying to get all these <laughs> yeah. signed. So I had him sign, you know, two, and there were two that were Tim Drake was prominent on the cover, and I thought, okay, that's cool. The last day that we went, I had the Teen Titans trade, and I was like, I want to get this signed, but I kind of want to go through some of the dollar bins and buy. I probably bought 25 books for a buck, and I've got a nice, vast array of detective and uh, Batman books. But uh, my wife's like, Oh, I got a couple extra bucks. You know, you really want to get this book signed. And I'm like, All right. So I went over there and um, talked to him again. He kind of remembered me. He's like, Oh, yeah, you were here you know, the other day. And I said, Would you mind signing the uh, Titans book? And uh, so I went to go give give him a couple bucks, and he's like, you want me to personalize it? I said, oh, heck yeah, that'd be great. So when he personalized it, and he did a little, like, R, the Robin R on it, and, and like, waved my money away. I'm like, oh, it's $2. He's like, no, man. He's like, if I personalize it for you, he's like, I know you're not going to turn around and sell it. I was like, cool. Yeah. can I go back to Friday and have you personalize <laughs> yeah. those books? Because yeah. that would have saved me 2 bucks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's cool, though. Yeah. And speaking of personalized autographs, thank you again so much for the awesome Chuck Dixon autographs. I don't I don't know I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but Rob was nice enough to get Ryan, myself, and himself Robin number one, the first miniseries, uh personalized um, signed by Chuck Dixon, and it was kind of a nightmare through the uh, <laughs> postal system, sending yeah. it, sending it back, tracking numbers, packages getting lost. But uh, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that, that was that was my pleasure to do. And you know, I know I've fat fingered your name a couple times, so I'm like going through your Facebook page, going, okay, this is how he spells his name. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like Ryan, that's that's easy to get, Harlem. Well, that's Chuck Dixon right now. That's Chuck Dixon right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Why is it on eBay? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw this book on eBay. Yeah. yeah. But um, so, you know, making sure that, that that comes out right. I remember you were like, he spelled my name right. So it was one yeah. of those, like, I put post-it notes, like, hey, this is Ryan's book. This is Rob's book. Not that it was like, okay, this is the better looking book. So this book's going to be for me. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure there was a note on there that I had everybody's name spelled, you know, correctly. And then the books get lost for like 20 some days. And then, of course, being a total jerk that I am, the first thing I do is text Rob and say, hey, you sent me Ryan's book. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? And well, I you just, guys are in the same state now. You can figure it out. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, but that that was kind of like my uh, Comic Con story. I on my uh, YouTube uh, page for Rob's Rogues, I went through like all the books that I got signed and all the books that I I bought, which is probably going to be a long video once I edit it. But that's that's kind of cool, you know. Like we're doing the podcast, talking about comics and stuff to buy some books that um, I've been looking for for quite a while and have been able to find was was pretty cool. Like I said, I've got about twenty five books and I took. 70 books to the convention to get signed and i got 60 of the 70 to sign uh, neil adams was the only one he was charging 20 bucks a signature wow and, and it was 20 spend 20 dollars and get one book signed or i could get a really like big oversized print for 20 and he'll sign it and personalize it so i i went with the print and the one thing i took was the uh uh, DCBS discount uh, comic book service uh, rebirth uh, variant cover. Oh, cool! Thought that'd yes. be really cool. Yeah, and I was like twenty bucks for this book, or I can get the print. So I went with uh, the print instead. So I never got that book signed, but I got something I can hang on the wall that he wrote. You know, to Rob, big Robin fan. You know, cool. So yeah, that's my uh, uh, Motor City Comic Con story. So any um, since we're going to look at the demon issues today, any. Do you pick up any demon merchandise? Any Jack Kirby number one signed demon books? Or <laughs> yeah, I was probably going for a million dollars, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a, I had a couple spare to get. You know, I, the funny thing is, uh, we were talking about this before uh, we recorded. Uh, these are the only demon books I ever bought, and actually, I only ever bought issue twenty three, and it wasn't until you know a couple weeks ago that Ryan's like, "Hey, does anybody ha- have a twenty two and 20? or excuse me, 23 and 24, The Demon. And I was like, why would I need number 24? So like all this time had gone by, I didn't realize that the story was kind of continued in the uh, the next issue. So these are the only ones I ever bought. And I, my, my history with the character is like very, very vague at best. Uh, what about you with uh, The Demon? Yeah, so uh, when it came out, Demon issue number one, it's got a cover price, a cover date of July 9, 1990. So it probably came out like two months before. Some, for some reason, the cover date never matched when it came out but i think that's so it could stay on the racks longer so that came out and i bought issue number one when it came out and says hot 32 page first issue um and i never bought issue two so (laughs) i and i you know i it's not that i hate the demon entrican it just never caught on to me i was never really into like the mystical magical stuff i got i got no issue if, if you are if somebody likes that hey that's cool it just wasn't my cup of tea and this just wasn't kind of what i was into um so i i don't think i continued until issue 12 issue 12 i have issues 12 13 and 14 and those guest star lobo okay. and i was i was pretty much buying everything lobo at that time so i remember i i i thought lobo was pretty awesome and um I bought it because lobo was in it but i remember not thinking it was that great like and then alan grant was in the the writer for it who was also writing a lot of batman at the time but i remember at that time i could never keep straight uh there was grant morrison alan grant and uh uh alan moore and those three i could never keep straight who was who between (laughs) grant morrison alan moore and yeah so um but anyway so then i picked up um demon number 22 
Matt was done by Matt Wagner. Okay. And I, I don't know if I picked that up because I knew who Matt Wagner was because he had done some Batman stuff or I had just picked it up because I knew Robin would be in 23. Um, but they, the cover for 23, I know we'll get to it. That was, that's really cool and iconic. And they were using that a lot to, uh, and it was in a lot of ads and mm-hmm. I think on the direct currents and stuff. So I got 23 and 24. But apparently, I guess I didn't like it because I didn't continue. So there's no 25. And then it goes all the way. Let's see here. I, I picked up issue 46. Oh, wow. Because that, that had the haunted tank in it. And I never heard of the haunted tank before. And I remember reading the uh, like little preview for um, like what's to come. Like in the, They had the direct mm-hmm. currents magazine and stuff that had the solicitations. I was like, that is such a cool idea. Civil War, haunted tank. Um, and I think Haunted Tank appeared in Brave and the Bold, too, as yeah. well. So then I was like, I know that. And then for some reason, I don't know why, I picked up Demon issue 50, which was a 295 issue, and then 51, and then Z- the Zero issue. So 51, um, the next issue after 51 is the Zero Hour issue, Zero. Uh, and I think I picked up every Zero issue in the DC Universe at that time. I was really into Zero Hour. I Same thought that here. was cool. Same and, here. Uh, but then I didn't continue. I, I that was the end. And I think if I, I look at it right, it, it made it to like sixty-two issues, which is actually a pretty decent run. Yeah. And who knew at the time? But the, these last couple issues were written by Garth Ennis, who went on to be quite famous in you know with Hitman and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I never really cared for Entrigan the Demon like until. Uh, the animation when he was in Brave and the Bold, when he was in uh, the Justice League, yeah. then I kind of liked them a little bit more. There was one Justice League where like they turn into little kids and Entrikin's like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. Green Lantern makes like glasses for himself and stuff. And I don't know, I really liked that episode. And that's when I think uh, Entrikin kind of grew on me. Uh, and when um, sorry, Zero uh, New Fifty Two reboot, there was a uh, Demon Knights. Yeah, and he was pretty cool in that. Like that, I was like, all right. And they were doing this thing where like. I forget who it was, but he had a, a woman who was um, like playing both sides. Like she was pretending to be Jason Blood's lover when oh, Jason yeah. was around, but then pretending to be Entrickins. And I, I kind of gave up on that series at some point. I don't really know how it all panned out, and that didn't last very long. But I thought they were using him pretty good in that series. But anyway, there's my demon story. So. <laughs> well, it it sounds like you you said you don't have many issues. I mean. You got a handful. You must have kept going like, okay, this might not be so bad. There was at least enough of Demon and somebody else that kind of kept you coming back. Like I said, I picked up just, you know, the two issues and that that was that was it for me. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, the price is a big factor, you know, and yeah. they're, you know, these are only a dollar 50, so and at the time and these were like a the um I don't know if it's a prestige format or something like that. You know, like these were a little more. There were other ones that were a dollar. Yeah. And the Superman stayed 75 cents for a long time. So it was easy to like just pick up a book and just, I'll try this. I'll try that. You know, I'll give this a couple issues. Now at two ninety five, three ninety five a pop, it's a lot harder to, to just give something a try. Not that I want to go off on a, a tangent, just kind of getting back to this, but like the the dark matter or the dark... I forget what they're calling it, like the, the new series that's going to come out where they're going to be creating more characters in Rebirth and uh, where the artists are going to have a little bit more more say in things with the Batman metal story that's going to be coming on. And a lot of the different artists are going to be creating stuff. 
you know, aside from just like superheroes, it's going to be different type of characters. That that's always a hard sell on me when I don't like. I'm just going to pick up this book just because I I tend to stay right in the middle of the road. Like I like my superheroes. I like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, Robin, and I don't veer off the course that much. And I kind of look at books like the demon, you know, where somebody will be like, you know, why do they got to bring Batman into every book? Cause that's the hook for a guy like me that goes, I don't know if I'm going to give the book the chance it probably deserves unless there's somebody that I recognize that I'm like, Oh, well, Batman was in this book and Oh, I guess this character's not so bad. Are, are you willing to take more of a risk with a, a book that you're just looking at it? Just, just sitting there on the shelf and go, okay, I'll bite, or do you do a little bit more research before you buy? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, in the 90s, it was almost cliche that every time there was a new book, Batman would be a guest star within the first seven or eight issues. Yeah. Like, and I would even buy books knowing, like, okay, when Batman shows up in issue eight, I want to know what's going on. And, like, I remember that happened in Starman. I remember that happened in uh, Deathstroke the Terminator. I mean, like, every (laughs) – go back in the 90s and go through the long box. And and then when you were going through back issues, those Batman issues were always, like, double or triple what the other – issues were going for <laughs> right. as well um and uh the one thing i liked though is they always actually had batman pretty cool like batman was 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 really done well unlike um i had a friend who, who was so mad at marvel because he was such a huge wolverine fan and they did the same thing with wolverine <laughs> they put him in every book but they would have like their character beat up wolverine to show like how tough they were but all he was seeing is his favorite character getting his butt kicked all the time and he was angry <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, I've been, I've, I haven't really been buying a lot of books, um, at the comic book store cause it's so far away. I've been ordering them online mm-hmm. and so far they've been doing the, the bundles. Um, so with the bundles, you know, I've been much more willing to take a risk because it is half price and I'm getting them with, you know, 10 or 12 other books. So there may be two or three or four in the bundle that I'm like, eh, nah. But since it's in the bundle, I'll get it. And a lot of them I've, I've, I've been pretty good. Uh, like, um, the Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah. There was no, I was just like, ah, no, no, thank you. But it was in the bundle, so I got it. And I've really liked that. It's like, you've got the Trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And here's, this is the dark Trinity of Red Hood, you know, uh, Artemis and Bizarro, it's like the the opposites of each character or the anti-heroes of each character. And it's been really good, you know. Um, so with the – I think, you know, here's what I was thinking. Like a lot of people I hear this and they say, oh, this new one's coming out. Ah, I'll wait for the trade. I'll wait for the trade paperback and see. And a lot of libraries have trade paperbacks. So a lot of people are like, well, I'll just pick it up at the library and, and see if I like it. The only problem is if, if people are waiting for the trades – and, you know, issue one, two, and three don't sell very well. They may not get to a trade or, you know, so yeah. uh, it's kind of a, a a weird time. I wish, you know, and this, uh, like Marvel has like that Marvel Unlimited where you can get um, like a membership and then you get access to yeah. lots of comics. But Marvel's having a lot of issues, and I know at least one of my friends who reads Marvel is like, yeah, I just stop buying them. I'll just wait till they come on Unlimited. It only takes like six or nine months, and you know, it's it's on, um, unli- you know, the Unlimited, and I think that was hurting their sales. And I I think people just read comics differently now. Like it's not 
you know, not really necessarily the podcasters and, and our community. We're still like waiting for it every Wednesday. Right. But the the vast majority of people who read comics are, you know, it's not a monthly thing. It's, you know, they pick up a trade paperback. They'll read, you know, three volumes of Wonder Woman. They'll they'll wait on books. It's it, it's not like uh, I got to be at the store every Wednesday. We're, we're the dinosaurs that still do that. So, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh – uh uh, Olivia that we've had on uh, the show, she did the uh, Robin War. I think she did Batman Eternal with us. I think I'm getting my mm-hmm. podcast confused. Um, but anyway, she's she's more of the trade. She's like, oh, I really don't buy the floppies anymore. I just wait for the trade. And joking, I say to her all the time, of like, if there's enough people that do that, you know, the books may you may not get the trade because if the floppies aren't selling, there's not going to be any need for them to go make the trade for because, oh, you know, the demon was canceled after three issues and we try and have four or five for a trade. You know, it's it's one of those that, uh, like I said, we're kind of like the dinosaurs. I still enjoy going uh, to the shop and picking up the books and and reading it as they're coming out. And I remember, I think when you and I were younger, that not everything got put into a trade. Like, this thing had to be really good and people were really really sought after it and then it got put into a trade like not mm-hmm. every single book automatically it's just a foregone conclusion yep it's it's going to go into a trade it really had to sell some big numbers for them to go you know what let's let's reprint this and we'll put it in a collected edition now it's just every single book gets put into a trade so i wonder sometimes if that if that hurts hurts them a little bit more as a big you know, Tim Drake fan as I am, and I was one of the few reading the new 52 Teen Titans uh, books, you know, those got put into trades. And if I was somebody at DC, I don't think the sales numbers were probably good enough to warrant it going into a trade. But, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. And I'm like, you know, go go support your local comic shops and, you know, buy some single issues. And then when I buy trades, if I really, like, this was a really good story, then I usually end up buying the trade. Like, okay, this is something I'm going to take on a trip, so I'm not taking the loose comic books. I'll take the trade. So I have very few trades, and the ones that I have, I really enjoyed the story. And I usually buy the hardcover editions because you get, like, the sketch work and then editor's notes in the back of it. So that's my tangent on trades. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I felt like um, you could definitely tell that the – that the trades are where the money's at for the companies. And a big part of that is because they can sit on the shelf at Barnes and Noble or, um, um, any bookstore forever. Like there's like a floppies on there for a month and then it's gone right. where the trades can be there for a long time. And Amazon, God only knows how many they sell on Amazon. And right. you can see that the floppies are geared towards the trade like they're sort of like five or six issue arcs yep. like there's a wrap up you know at the end of five, five or six um and i almost feel like the big push for the for the new um for um rebirth to have a these books like batman and detective and aquaman come out every two weeks is to get more trades out you know you, yeah. you, if you you're doubling the the time or i'm, I'm sorry scratch that you're halving the time that it'll take to have enough material for a trade uh and i could envision a day in the far future not not like tomorrow but like in decades where there are no more monthly books everything's just trade you know you get a writer an artist they team up they come up with you know a trade size run 
and then it comes out as a trade paperback. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that to either because sometimes when you, you know, these monthly books and you get like fill in our artists and you get, you know, filler, you're just like, Oh, you know, this was just to hit that, you know, because we we had to put just put out a floppy to this right. week where the trade they could just take their time and and get it right but um yeah I don't know was the was these demon books ever collected in a trade I don't think so uh, not that I know I'm trying to use uh, yeah a Mike's Amazing World here I I love the resource but sometimes it's a little hard to navigate so while we're talking about it you may hear me typing I apologize for that but I'm trying to find um how they're uh collected but I I. I don't think they ever went into trade. Like I was saying, I think the books, at least back in the 80s and 90s, and it wasn't until like The Dark Knight Returns where the idea of a graphic novel was really starting to come to the forefront. Like every now and then you would see one, but it wasn't like they started realizing, wow, we can we can make a little bit more off this and make it, this is an event book to have. Yeah, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the very first... Um Sorry, my wife was waving to me. I'm putting the dog in the room here. Sorry, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I think the very first like arc was Batman um, Ten Nights of the Beast, which in, in um, introduced the KG Beast, and they actually put on the cover like part one of four, part two of four. It had never been done before that, which doesn't seem like that long ago. And I think it was Denny O'Neill's idea to do that, and then that just like opened the floodgates for trade paperbacks and. Um, uh, series and stuff like that, but I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't recall it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm probably dead wrong, and it was probably done way before that. <laughs> but, but um, anyway, the um, the demon issues. I wanted to mention this. I didn't realize this demon. He was created by Jack Kirby, which you don't think of Jack Kirby as DC as much, you know. But, yeah. but he was, and he was created in 1972. So, yay, the demon's two years older than me. Um, in real time, and in, in reality, he's like thousands of years old, right? Um, right. And what I thought was kind of funny was it says, um, and I'm getting this from Wikipedia, which, you know, of course, is never wrong. No, never. Um, never. But it said um, Jack uh, created the the character based on a Prince Valiant um, comic strip where Prince Valiant had to go to a, like a masquerade ball and wore a mask that looked like the demon. So he created that character as like – a real thing, not just a mask. And it said, uh, the demon number one came out August, 1972. And, uh, he created the demon when his fourth world titles were canceled. And, um, you know, fourth world, that could be a whole other show. Yeah. I just feel like that never really, never, it's never reached the popularity as other Kirby stuff. And DC always like pushes it because it is good. And it is like, they're linked to Kirby. You know, I don't know if Kirby, if somebody other than Kirby had created it, I, I wonder, you know, if they would keep pushing the fourth world stuff as much. Yeah. Um, but he said, uh, Kirby had no interest in horror comics, but created Entrigan in response to a demand from DC for a horror character. Kirby was annoyed that the first issue sold so well that DC required him to do 16 issues and abandon the fourth world titles before he was done with them. Huh. So that's the other thing too. If people forget is like Kirby, like never quite, finished really what he wanted to do with fourth world it was like started and then abandoned due to low sales which is kind of sad <laughs> yeah and uh i finally found it here on mike's amazing world as far as this volume is concerned this the one we're looking at 22 or excuse me 23 and 24 is volume two 
of it, and the demon went into, let's see, one, two, three volumes, spanning from, like, you said 1972 and then ending in 1995, and that's in the, and then plus other ones like Demon Driven Out, Demon Hell, uh, Hell's Hitman, and some different, you know, one-offs here, but none of them have ever been collected, so if you don't have uh, these issues, um, there's no, you know, you aren't going to go to Barnes & Noble uh, tomorrow and be able to pick them up because they're you know they're not out there. But that being said, you can probably find these in the dollar bins and probably you could probably find them on eBay almost for the exact price of the book. It, it should not be yeah. hard uh, to track these down. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein Demon uh, 23. Uh, the cover date is May 1992. The on-sale date was March 24th, 1992. Uh, $1.50. Remember those days, Terrence? <laughs> oh, yeah. I miss uh, it. <laughs> page counts 32. Uh, the title is Buddies. And uh, there's 24 pages in the book. Uh, the writer is Alan Grant. Uh, I always love pronouncing these names. This is where Rob's grammar really gets the best of him. Yeah. Uh, Val uh, Schmeckis, uh, Robert R. Smith, uh, Todd Clean, who did the uh, letters, um, and the colorist is Robbie Bush. So uh, taking a look at the front cover here, this is what really – uh, they make a note of this in the issue, but uh, when I saw this on the uh, newsstand, I was like, I had to pick this up because I was like, I don't know who this demon is, but Robin looks like a werewolf, and how does Robin get turned into this werewolf, and why is he killing this gargoyle? Or why is he holding? I thought this was a gargoyle. I had no idea yeah. this was Etrigan. <laughs> the main the character, yeah. Yeah, the main character of the book is being held here, Rob. No, I was more freaked out about, like, what are they doing with Tim? Is he a werewolf now? So what yeah. do you think of this cover? Yeah, like I said earlier, the cover was – I'd seen the cover before in, in ads, Um and was really looking forward to it. Um, our, our good buddy Rich on Facebook had, had sent us when we put out that we're going to do this. He had said that um, he said, uh, quoting him, that it blew my mind when I first saw this in the shop all those many years ago. Um, and yeah, I agree, Rich. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But well, the other thing that got me was I kind of realized this was the first realization that like they were using Robin to sell other books yeah. like it wasn't batman it was robin they were and um you know robin had been a joke and was a joke to some people and here it was like no now he's like on the forefront and they're using him to boost up demon sales and they have the little the demon logo which is pretty cool logo with the flames and everything and then it says versus and it has the robin logo and I, it was the first time that i kind of realized like oh robin's got his own logo now like i I, I probably I just looked at it on the covers and never thought about it. But then when I saw it in a different place, it was like he's got his own logo. That's pretty cool. And then it's the boy monster. I, was, I thought that was a cool tagline. 
But then, like I said, I was extremely disappointed that this never actually happens in the issue. And (laughs) they even, as you say, make an editor's note of saying the cover was misleading. But I feel like – I hate to like say this, but I feel like the cover is the best part of both issues. Yeah. (laughs) And and some of it is because the art – like Val Semeskis, and then it's Bob Smith on inks. But if you look at the cover here, it says Semeskis Kessel. So I think yeah. it was inked by Carl Kessel, who is just one of the, the greatest of all time. Yeah. So I think it just has a little cleaner, neater look that I like than the rest of the issue. Uh, not that the art's bad. I just think the cover is the, the cream of the crop. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we kind of go through it. I was trying to – it's – it's an odd book, and it, being a horror book, I mean, I'm just going to say it right now. Like, we get down to the point where the creatures are eating people. I'm like, what am I reading? You know? Yeah. Um, and and if you notice, two things: uh, there's no comic code authority on the nope. front, so they could do whatever they want. And um, another one of our uh, good friends on Facebook, Chadwick, which I love that name, Chadwick. That's an yeah. awesome name. Chadwick Whitley uh, posted. He said, uh, I miss comics like this and I miss the DC logo of all the DC logos that this is my favorite. I guess they call it the bullet logo. Yeah. But uh, do you have a, a particular favorite DC logo or um, I really liked this one. But the one I also liked was kind of like the <laughs> the Saturday morning, the more, you know star where it had that little it was like it was more oblong and mm-hmm. it had like the little yep. nike swoosh uh, yeah. attached to it. i thought that that was kind of cool but yeah I, I this is just a classic uh looking logo and I, I do miss this one all right so when you open the first page it says uh he's back and he's howling the return of the howler part one buddies Ooh. is like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i i you know right there it's kind of cool like it kind of sets the tone that this book has somewhat of a sense of humor. And I, and I got to say, I, I reread it yesterday, and I liked it a lot better now than I did, I think, back then. I, I, back then when I first read it, I think I was just very, very confused. And here I, I kind of liked it. So then um, it's it's a cool one-page uh, opening. And then it opens to um, – the second page is a little bit of Jason Blood. And it's I guess it's given a lot of background information for people who have not been reading it and – basically saying that the demon Entrigan is going to be um, a, a bit more friendlier and nicer. And um, then they're talking about his girlfriend that he's, you know, he's saying, I got to lose the demon before I can get with my girl, which I think her name is. Uh, what is her name? I don't even know here. Uh, I got to look for it here. Um, Glenda. There Glenda, it is. Glenda. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that freaked me out is that he's saying all this to a pillow, like it's a it's a guy's face, but it's a pillow, and it looks like a giant ravioli. And when I first read this, like I just had no clue what the heck was going on. I'm like, is this uh, what what is that? Is it a giant ravioli? Is he a pillow? Later on in some of the issues, you can see he looks a little bit more like a pillow. Um, but I remember reading this, just not having any clue what the heck I was reading. What was your thoughts of the giant ravioli face? <laughs> I know. I was really thinking, you know. Uh, 16-year-old Rob, or 17, probably, as, as I was in uh, 92 after graduating high school, going, I don't know what this, I thought it was a ravioli, too, so when you said that, I thought, oh, God, I'm not the only yeah. one thought it was a ravioli. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that, as I was reading this for the podcast, I was thinking, I hope uh, 2017 Terrence can tell me exactly who this guy is, and apparently neither one of us. I I don't have a clue. All I know is that when I was thumbing through issue zero, which is uh, from 
October 94. So that's, you know, two more years. He was still a pillow at that point. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. But then on the um, next two pages, we get um, his girl, Glendale is like, I guess she, she works in a jewelry store and this gangster is um, buying some jewelry. He's walking out and then they hear the screams of the howler. So uh, Jason Blor- Blood, Blord, Jason Blood, Jason Bourne shows up. No, uh, <laughs> Jason Blood changes into Entrigan and says his uh, famous, um, I guess it's a mantra or a spell, you know, go, gone, gone, oh, form of man and rise the demon Entrigan. But I remember when I read this the first time, I had no idea Entrigan rhymed. Yeah. And it was very difficult for me to read his dialogue. And like even now I'm trying to read it to hit the rhymes, but it's hard to to read something that rhymes written in balloons and get it right. Like a, a poem is like written as, you know, stanzas. It's a little bit yeah. easier to, to do the rhyme scheme here. It's really kind of hard. Um, so I've always had trouble with Entrican's, um dialogue it's just been been kind of difficult and then uh Entrican, like puts a glass over the pillow's face and then jumps out the window but what do you think of the uh, appearance of Entrican? i thought it was pretty cool and we had uh it was, I, it's interesting i guess cool is probably the wrong word to use because at the time reading this i just i felt like i was a real fish out of water and then sadly i was kind of going okay when does robin show up when does robin show up you know that's that's why I bought this book and the whole rhyming thing. I was the same way. Like I remember in English, like you're supposed to set it up and you know stanzas and lines and you know there's you know meter and all that stuff and how you read poetry and it was really hard and I I had no idea that it was going to be rhyming myself and I think the art is borderline like Saturday morning cartoon uh, in the panels where he's blowing like the smoke smoke ring and smoke sca- or smoke squares. In the panel where he puts the glass on top of uh, the pillow's uh, face. Sorry, we're calling him a pillow. <laughs> yeah. But that look of, like, you know, be good, that looks like, I really don't want to knock the art, but it looks like bad Saturday morning cartoon art. Yeah. Like, At- that that was just a part of the, like, the front cover looks so amazing. I thought that's the quality we were getting inside, and it was the art was really kind of a letdown. Yeah, and you can tell because it's a different anchor. And, you know, I just realized, okay, so I looked. His, the pillow's name is Harry. Harry, yeah. Uh, Har- Harry the pillow. But uh, <laughs> he's smoking a cigar in all of this. But he's just a pillow head. So how did he get the cigar and light it? The only thing is I can think is Jason Blood had to have put that in his mouth and lit it, which makes him a very bad friend and enabler for hel- helping him to smoke. So actually the demon is a better friend for putting out the cigar and, you know, putting it on his face to teach him not to smoke. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the next scene, um, when we turn the page, the gangsters go into his car and one of these like werewolf like creatures jumps down and attacks him. Money goes everywhere. Um, and then we see that Robin, Tim Drake, our boy, um, was up in the shadows watching. And it says, Batman told me to keep an eye on Pretty Boy, not get involved. And I think this guy was named Pretty Boy Floyd. Floyd? Uh, no, it's. Oh, it's, you're right. Yeah, because Pretty Boy Floyd is a real gangster from the 20s or 30s yeah and i think they changed it to like pretty boy flood or something like that like yeah i have to see what it comes up here it just says uh pretty boy yeah <laughs> which is weird because it's blessed batman told me to keep an eye on pretty boy like if you didn't know his name was pretty boy you would think just tim has, has fancies him you know like <laughs> 
<laughs> keep an eye on this pretty boy. Uh, but I did really like uh, when Tim jumps down. Uh, he just thinks it's a guy in a monkey suit. I thought that I don't know why. I just thought that was like a cool touch, and then yeah. he realizes that it's not. But I did find it a little off-putting. His, I guess, grappling hook is just—I don't know what it is. I've never seen it look like this before or since. It's like the, a flashlight, flashlight, yeah, jump rope, and it's just kind of weird. But anyway, what'd you think of Robin's appearance? Um, it's very Norm Brayfogle-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's coming down on top of the uh, werewolf or the howler, you know, it's, it's real long, angular, and his cape's kind of flowing up. Um, if I didn't know any better, I might have thought that Breifogel had done uh, these uh, series of panels right here. And uh, yeah. I like the accent of the yellow, which isn't typical on Robin's costume, but to break up the red uh, going into the green um, shoulders, there's that a yellow line on either side, which I thought was a, an interesting touch. It's something you may see more on Damien's costume, Robin costume now, but that's, that's nice little, a uh, little touch here. But yeah, I, I liked this. One of the few panels in here, as much as I like Robin, uh, Robin's face really starts to get into some wonky, uh, shapes here as the, <laughs> as the book goes on. It's very oblong in here. And, um, then the the werewolf grabs Robin and starts putting like a trance on him. And Robin says, it's eyes. My head feels like it's burning, getting harder to resist. And I had forgot that he doesn't turn into a werewolf. So as I was reading it yesterday, I'm like, oh, here's where he turns into a werewolf. And then on the next page, he doesn't. And uh, one thing I did think that was cool, though, when he meets Entrican, Entrican kind of saves him and then is like, real nice to him right away and and like it wasn't the typical team up let's fight for a few panels before we realize we're friends it was like right away Entrican was like hey you know you're you're a good kid so i kind of like that and then we see Entrican like jump from the roof and start fighting the werewolf and blow fire on him and stuff and um robin also, his communicator looks like something he picked up at Radio Shack with <laughs> yeah. this big uh, 80s antenna on it. Uh, but he says his inc- commu- communicator's broke. Guess he's going to have to do without Batman. But then Robin, you know, steps into the, the fight, try- helps out, but falls. Entrican stops fighting the werewolf to ha- help save Robin. But in that chaos, the, the werewolf gets away. So uh, what would you think of the, the struggle here, Rob? I thought it was a nice little uh, sequence here that uh, the hero of the book, this is probably like what your buddy was saying, is kind of getting his butt handed to him. So, uh, you know, Robin ends up getting saved by Etrigan and Robin has to kind of do the same, uh, kind of repay the favor. And then you Etrigan has to, you know, resave him again here. But I thought it was a, a nice little series of panels kind of showing us like what we've been saying on the podcast that Robin's able to operate without Batman and he's not saying things even though he was supposed to radio to Batman it's not like he's in this fight going gee I sure wish Batman was here we could sure win the day that Robin knows okay well Batman's I can't get a hold of him so I'm going to have to do this and it wasn't like the over explanation like gee Batman taught me I should do X, Y, and Z so I I like that uh, even though Alan Grant was uh, writing uh, Tim Drake at this point as well that he didn't kind of revert Robin to you know he was out of his league yeah 
And uh, so here on page 13, these pages are numbered here. Um, we see Glendola. I think it's Glendola, right? She yeah. comes out and they, they find Entrican and Robin. And here is the name Pretty Boy Freud, F R O Y D. Otherwise, I call him Pretty Boy Flood. <laughs> um, he's, he's dead, but um, Entrican now is m- making nice with uh, the girl. And she's kind of surprised because I guess normally he's a jerk to her and the police realize it's okay. And then on the next page, we see the werewolf creature coming back and some guy who's got some kind of like electric, you know, cattle prod is prodding him into a a van, which I don't know why the werewolf would come back to him, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, But um, they take off. So you kind of know there's more to that. And then we see Batman. Batman, I guess, apparently pretty boy. Freud was supposed to meet some gangsters to do a, a deal in front of Mighty Arts Bar and Bear a bar, bar and Barf is what it is. <laughs> yeah, only only Gotham City would have a place called Bar Bar, bar and, and Barf. barf. <laughs> yeah, and um, so then Pretty Boy doesn't show up, so they take off, and Batman puts a a, a tracker on them, um, and then we get uh, Robin and Entrican are in the sewers. And they're um, kind of heading out, and uh, I forget where they where they're going here. Are they just? It just shows them walking. I don't know if they. I think this was kind of from the last of where the howler had gone okay. through. Okay. So they're, they're just trying, trying to track whatever they track can possibly. Yeah. Gotcha. So did you have any comments up to there or? No, I th- I, th- I thought the story was was moving pretty good. It was nice to kind of see, you know, Tim being the detective and. Uh, uh, kind of leading Etrigan on, and uh, we get like a little uh, explanation of kind of like the howlers coming up after that. Yeah, and this kind of bugs me in comics. I hate when they do this where they just kind of give you all the story in flashback. Like I can handle a page or half a page, but they do, well, let's see, one, two, three, or two, two and a half pages of, <clears throat> excuse me, backstory explaining the howler and its mystical origin and i really didn't care honestly (laughs) i kind of like the beginning that it just kind of um jumped right into the howler so this kind of i don't know excuse me sorry about that this kind of um i don't know i thought it brought the story to a halt the only good part is for me anyway was the editor's note bandad raspler saying what do you mean the cover was misleading yeah explains how he tried it that was kind of funny which not the worst sin for a cover um the worst sin for a cover is when the cover reveals the ending of the story yes. when it's supposed to be a surprise like i just read uh how jordan and the green lanterns and the ending was that kyle radner was going to be a green lantern again which the last page is him as a green lantern again which would have been great if it wasn't for the fact that on the cover he's a green lantern again you know <laughs> right. yeah or my other pet peeve of um comics is when they have a character like batman and you buy it just for batman because he's on the cover and then he doesn't show up to the very last panel and then you realize like oh he's just in the next issue they just tricked you into buying another one right. so you know so not the not the worst sin um i think the next cover is kind of misleading too but um anyway so they come out of this like little um uh flashback of of the origin of the howler and uh, they, Tim Drake and the demon Entrigan shake hands, and demon kind of tells him to give his regards to the bat. So um, Robin's back off to find Batman, and uh, 
um, I don't know, Entrigan, I guess, is going to turn back into Jason Blood. But uh, did you have any thoughts on the flashback or the, the parting of ways between Entrigan and, and Robin? Uh, the flashback is something that at, when I first read it way back then, I thought like, oh, this is something that, that I need to know moving the story forward, that that's why they're telling me this. And, you know, reading it now and then, you know, the next issue, it really does nothing for you. I I agree with what you were saying that I just like to know, like, this is just a thing. It's it's the howler. I don't need to know how and why it's going around killing people and they have to stop it. I, I don't need to know why it was created because I think beyond this, you don't see the howler too much more. Yeah. And then the next page, page 20, is uh, Jason Blood's friend Randu, Radu, talking to his girlfriend about the changes, which I think they always kind of put stuff like this, hoping that, I guess, Robin fans who bought this issue will, like, want to know more and know what's going on. And and, and honestly, I was kind of a little intrigued. I was kind of like, oh, I wonder what is going to happen. Although whatever did happen got rebooted in (laughs) zero hour and then uh, new 52 and then convergence and then rebirth. And (laughs) so, um, and then, uh, so then the guys with pretty boy Freud are unloading the packages. I guess they think they make the deal, but instead the werewolf shows up. Um, and they start shooting it, but then they turn into werewolves. And what we realize is it's not just one howler beast or werewolf. It's a whole slew of howler beasts. Um, and they just go to town killing these gangsters. Uh, and then it, the issue kind of ends with the demon kind of running around the rooftops of Gotham. He hears the chaos going on and he heads into the action. Um, and then we have, uh, I guess part two. So anything on the, the ending here that piqued your interest or other than, uh, like I said earlier, I thought this was a one and done issue. Uh, you know, I like yeah. it's going off and that's as far as this Tim Drake fan needs to read. It wasn't until, you know, about a month ago that I realized, Hey, I missed an issue. So yeah, I, it, this wasn't something that I thought was you know, groundbreaking that every single Drake fan uh, needs to uh, go and pick up, but it's it's a nice little break and having times in the podcast like this where we can do a, a one-off here or there. I think it it works for nothing else. Like this is if nothing else, it shows you how much popularity uh, the Tim Drake character had that he could be put on a book to help sell a, a demon book to guys like us. Yeah, and then they have the letter columns, which we won't get into too much, but <laughs> I like the title. It's The title of their letter column is, The Hell You Say! <laughs> Exclamation <Yeah. laughs> point. And there is a letter in here from Uncle Elvis, who, who was in all these letters, and I, I mentioned it before. And all of a sudden, I, I read one issue, and they said, hey, I haven't heard a letter from Uncle Elvis. Does anybody know what's happened to him? And then that was it, never, never to be uh, – heard again i was wondering what happened to uncle elvis but what's really odd about the the letter issue and i don't think they would ever do this today like they print the full address of these people yeah like like name first name last name street name a house number you know phoenix arizona zip code like you could actually go to to these people's houses and and what's really funny is if you look at the letter column on the first page there's a letter uh, it's only like one it says, Dear Dan, I sure hope you print this letter because then I could be famous. Sincerely, John Holel, um, 
6545. Oh, I won't say his address. Yeah. <laughs> it gives his whole address. And then there's another letter. I hope you print this letter. And then another, like, he's done here three times. With the, so the one guy's got three letters in one book. That must be like a record. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always found that. I mean, I never thought of it back then, but, you know, I bet we could drive to uh, Burlington, uh, Burlington, North Carolina. This isn't uh, close to your neck of the woods here. Yeah, yeah, trip, trip. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> are you still <laughs> uh, and then um, before we jump into issue fifty-four, which is also a misleading cover because you could see Batman and Robin totally incapacitated, which I don't believe happens. Um, I looked it up, and this is on the DC Wika or Wiki. Um, so that strange pillow type ravioli is named um, Harry Matthews, Harry the Pillow. And it says that um, Harry Matthews was a longtime friend of Jason Blood, the human persona of Entrican. During an expedition to hell, Harry was damned by Bialy, who transformed him into a living cushion. <laughs> Harry the Pillow later returned to Earth, adjusted to his new strategic life, and befriended the magic creature called the Thing That Cannot Die. Recently, the former Wonder Woman, known as Artemis, exposed both Harry and the Thing as imposters who were actually demons of hell and killed them both. The real Harry later showed up alive and in human form again. So that's Harry. But I... I can only imagine, you know, Artemis is quite the attractive woman. So being a cushion or pillow, he was probably thinking like, oh, please come sit on me. Please come sit on me. Please come sit on me. And then she kills him. And how exactly do you kill a pillow? Like, I, I, I'm not yeah. really sure. But uh, anyway, it's <laughs> Artemis can hang. Somebody's got to do like a since Artemis is in the uh, uh, Dark Trinity book that Red, Red Hood and the Outlaws, they need to like go to her, her like fortress of solitude or whatever and like have her trophies hanging and just this pillow this dismembered pillow hanging there um, <laughs> yeah but uh so i took the lead on 23 do you want to take the lead on 24 here and yeah let's hasta la vista hair bags <laughs> <laughs> if this yeah. does not say 90s comics i don't know what does yeah. you know this personifies everything we have a gun that should be not that women can't fire guns that's not what i'm saying but for her body frame and for her working in a jewelry store, there's no way she or probably any guy should be able to pick this up aside from Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Cobra himself, um, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, yes. uh, you know, the the bandoliers of – it looks like she has a – Pearl necklace? Uh, no, not a pearl necklace. It's more like bullets and then mm-hmm. huge shotgun shells, and she's got a Uzi and a rocket launcher. And <laughs> this says everything out of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that you could possibly want. The top says the mark of uh, Glendola. <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like. I feel like this was a bit of a parody of those comics, but for those who were not alive, this is what pretty much every marvel and image you know comic had on the front a guy and just huge the, the guns just kept getting bigger and bigger like cable um and oh, yeah. the young blood series and i mean it it was ridiculous so i do think that i i hope this was supposed to be a parody like but <laughs> it may not have been it may have been an attempt to try to get some of that market uh, really quick, uh, this one uh, again came out in June. Uh, the on sale date was April, and the uh, writing credits and everything's exactly the same uh, as the first. Uh, the title of this one is "My Keeper's Brother." Usually, that's my brother's keeper, so they kind of uh, inverted that around. Um, 
and you kind of get the sense that um, who we say this guy is here uh, with the magic staff that controls uh, all of the uh, howlers that he's a scientist and this is kind of like his magic wand if you will and kind of like shocking device to kind of get all the howlers um, quarantine's the wrong word kind of uh, gathered up and kind of heard them and to make them do uh, what he wants them to do because he's trying to you kind of get the sense that he's trying to, he's very uneasy about them eating the victim so they're this is what I said earlier that uh, they're not only just dismembering uh, all these uh, thugs in here but they're also eating them so I remember reading this at at work a couple nights ago again for the podcast going wow I no wonder I didn't <laughs> read this book so it's kind of uh, him getting you don't really see how many there are here but it looks like there's probably almost hundreds of them and they're all going into like the the typical cliche abandoned warehouse that's no longer being used and no one ever thinks the mad scientist is going to have a <laughs> you know a hive of howlers in here but that's kind of uh, what he's doing uh, so what do you kind of think about uh, not only just being one howler, but now that there's many, uh, let's say there's at least a hundred here, and you're not quite sure is this guy is he the cause of the problem or is he the uh, guy that's like no no they're they're just all they're my kids or they're my creatures I'm trying to help them what was your what was your take on him Yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, I didn't know what to take. If, I, what what struck me oddly enough yesterday when i was reading this is it says professor puckett's journal february 6 1973 and i'm thinking like oh that was a long time ago but like when this book was written in 92 that makes it 19 years from that point Mm -hmm. and like where we are now we're further in time from this book because this book is now like 25 years old (laughs) you know we're further in time from this book than this book was from 1973 which is really scary thought uh (laughs) but but yeah i i was wondering how this guy (laughs) with just one cattle prod could keep all these howlers in check um since 1973 and then um you can kind of see it a little bit on that first page in the bottom right corner, but then when you turn the page, you can really see it. Like some of the howlers are wearing dresses, and he refers to them, I think, as like Mrs. Sanchez. Yes, yeah. So it, it kind of borders a bit on the ridiculous. So I think by like the third or fourth page, where they get to the big splash page on page four, um, I kind of took it with a grain of salt and kind of saw it more as, as a little bit of a parody or, or a little bit of. A ridiculous and not didn't try to like see how this fits in the real world yeah and i also got a vibe of as a kid i loved the old like lon cheney you know dracula and uh the bride of frankenstein movies and the scientists would always have dealing with the werewolf there'd be like this i forget what you call it um uh, uh tesla the band used it in one of their songs you have a high pitch like Woo, you know that that type of uh sound that it's just that because you know dogs can hear things at a higher frequency that's kind of what i went with like oh it's just putting out this uh high-pitched vibration sound and it can shoot some type of ray that it it almost made me think of like the old school monster movies that i just kind of like okay maybe it's it's this thing like that so like you said, like just take off the reality hat, even though we have superheroes, you know, you have to take it off twice almost in this book. But uh 
as silly as it gets, it it kind of works, and I think that's a cool thing that we talk about. Batman and Robin, they can kind of work in just about any scenario, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll I'll roll with it. It's Batman. But uh, yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, so we uh, have uh, Robin from the last issue has now caught up with Batman. And uh, in the uh, Norm Brayfogle Batmobile, which I, I I still love this Batmobile. It's not quite as uh, big and uh, with the back fins, but you can definitely tell that's where um, Smekis was uh, trying to draw the inspiration from here. But they're trying to track down um, Etrigan that I believe Robin put the tracker on Etrigan so they can kind of find out what's going on with the Howler. And um, Batman knows that the, the deal didn't go down at the warehouse where uh, – Freud uh, should have been, and then we're back in um, the warehouse, uh, the abandoned uh, factory, where it looks like he's uh, feeding uh, all of the howlers uh, like soy-based food, and is just really kind of getting the whole, you know, do you realize what I'm what I'm doing for you? You know, I'm not getting enough money and funding to be able to do all these soy products, and you're going around eating people, and he's always belittling. Uh, Mrs. Sanchez, you know, you're like, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> don't, you know who I'm talking about, don't you, Mrs. Sanchez? Which I thought was a, a funny little uh, beat here, but the whole thing of like, you know, they're all driving him crazy and just kind of belittling them. So, what'd you kind of think about that whole little uh, sequence there? Yeah, you know, they, I, I really like the panel with um, Robin and Batman inside the Batmobile. I think that's really cool. And the, the lighting and everything on that. But I was ready for some Batman and Robin. And then to go back, you get three panels, and then it's like, all right, now we're back to the Howlers and this guy. Yeah, it's kind of clever and kind of funny, but I'm like, oh, where's my Batman and Robin? You know, like, right. I, I, that's one of the problems with like having them as guest stars is like people like me who pick it up just for them get a little frustrated and annoyed at the other stuff because it's like, where is it? So, uh, you know, it's all right. But, but I'm at this point, I'm like, give me some Batman and Robin. Yeah. And of course we get, uh, Etrigan showing up. I mean, it is his own book, but that kind of shows you the power of Batman and Robin that you're starting to care less about whose book this actually is. And like, well, where, where's Batman? Where's Batman in this? Um, I do like the panel on six. I think Etrigan looks really cool here. He's getting ready to fight the uh, Howlers. Looks very, you know, muscular and built. And it looks like a, a really good, you know, action shot of him kind of going through the debris uh, towards the Howlers. And uh, something I always liked about Etrigan is he always kind of seemed to have a, a smile on his face, or maybe he was supposed to be uh, growling here, but he's, you know, getting overtaken. Uh, pretty quick, and it looks like they're getting ready to uh, uh, eat Etrigan here pretty quick, so you know that it's going to have to be up to Batman and Robin. And then uh, Jason Blood's girlfriend is, you know, she gets word that, you know, she needs to go to the abandoned warehouse, and at the same time, Batman and Robin are showing up. Uh, Robin's, here's what I was talking about, the panel on page uh, 10 here, where Robin's face looks really long. If it wasn't for his (laughs) mask being there, he has what I call, instead of a forehead, he's got a five head (laughs) going on here. And uh, Batman looks pretty cool. It's kind of hard to mess up the look of Batman, although I've seen some artists do it, but uh, it's just really cool to see. 
Yeah, sadly enough, my favorite thing is in between pages eight and nine. There's an ad for the DC Comic collectible cards. <laughs> yeah. Cause, oh man, I bought so many packs of those. I even traded some really valuable X Men comics for the. Uh, my friend had the 10 – it says 10 DC Limited Edition Hologram Hall of Famers, and I traded uh, like the first appearance of Gambit and all, all these things to get all 10 of those. And I had I, I had every single one of those hero cards, um, which um, weren't quite valuable. The Marvel came out, and the Marvel were really valuable, yeah. and then the price dropped tremendously. You can get them for nothing now. And in fact, did you see that episode of Comic Book Men where the one guy came in to try to sell some? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then they end up saying, like, we don't want to buy them, but we got a bunch of extra here you can take. And they yeah. ended up giving them <laughs> The thing More that you're trying in. to sell, they're yeah. like, here, take our crap. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we're up to where, page 11 or 12. The yeah. coloring's cool on this. I, I like the coloring. It's very bright. And like the flash bombs are, are really cool. And I like how Batman and Robin kind of kind of think to use the flash bombs as a way to fight them, not just brute force. And um, there's little like, like a uh, sound effects, poof, P O M F yeah. that kind of remind me a little bit of the 60s show, but it's not like over the top, like in your face, but it's just like a little like homage to them. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was a, a neat way to uh, get them. And of course you have uh, uh, Glendala, yeah, she's going to get to the typical damsel in distress. She's going to, of all the howlers that Batman and Robin are, are riling up, there's bound to be one that's going to, you know, be a problem later. And they're able to get, uh, Etrigan and the, the scientist, uh, up to safety. And, uh, there ends up being an explosion from the rocket, that, the oversized rocket that Glendale is firing that knocks Batman and Robin back down to the ground. And of course, Etrigan is, has been knocked out and Batman's trying to, uh, get the scientists to, you know, help get these brutes is what he calls them off their back. And of course you have the ha 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 brutes, you know, this is like the whole, they're my children and they're going to do what I want. They're, they're not any harm and whoops, you know, they actually ripped the guy in two here and that leaves Batman and Robin to fight. And this is where I was reading this issue at work and you see the blood spot splatter on 19 and the guy's just, you know, uh, does he actually say, Oh, Chris, I think is what he was calling the guy. I thought he was saying curses there for a second. Curses, <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, um, and then uh, we'll stop here on 20 real quick as Glenda uh, comes in with rocket launchers, Uzis, knives, and she. there's no way she should be able to stand here. So what do you think about this whole sequence and then ending with her and the typical 90s movie action poster pose? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought actually a demon entrican gets knocked out, so that is not misleading on the cover. Right. Uh, Batman and Robin, though, not. I thought the action was pretty good. There's not a lot of dialogue, like not too, too much, so the action flowed really well. And Val Semeckis' art, which you kind of mentioned with the five head and stuff, it, it is a little sloppy. So when they're just standing talking, it doesn't work quite as well. But when he's doing action scenes, I think it makes it – it works good because it creates like movement and action. So I thought his he, he did some really great action stuff with Batman and Robin. The thing I don't get though is when the Howler kills Dr. or Dr. Puckett here, Puckett, yeah. I'm like – how has that not happened in the last 19 years? Like, how does it just happen now? He's yeah. been able to keep him under control for 19 years, and now they decide to kill him? Um, oh, and actually, I just realized, too, um, the Howlers do knock out Batman and Robin here. Yeah, they're so in the it is. Uh, so I, I take that back. The cover was not very misleading. Um, and then we've got um, the female Rambo here just coming. Uh, 
<laughs> last action hero the ending here right um <laughs> and this is this is where the book goes from okay it's kind of it's kind of corny with the howlers and batman and robin are trying to save the story and then it goes full on cheese here in the splash page on 21 i've had it all i can stand i can stand no more she's just blasting and she single-handedly takes out all of them mm-hmm. in the room and batman and robin you know wake up and you know i'm all for like oh girl power you know girls can do anything a guy can do but i'm sorry <laughs> this is just, i would was reading this at work and I thought this book cannot get over fast enough. I feel bad for saying it, but I was just like, yeah, that's not how I thought this story was going to pan out. Yeah. If this is a parody, it's funny and I get it. <laughs> if, if it's supposed to be anything realistic, it's ridiculous. I mean, she's got two guns, one in each hand that I think the recoil on one shot would send her through the room. I think if like five guys held that gun and shot it, the recoil would send the five guys across the room. Like it's, you know, it's just ridiculous. And she shoot, she uses a gun or guns to shoot and kill all of these. And Batman seems to just not blink an eye that a gun was used and that they were all killed. He's just like, you know, you okay, Robin? Yeah, I'm fine. You know? And then, Like, there's no, like, how dare you or how could you or why or, you know, nothing from Batman. And then on 23, like, Batman's reading a book. Like, I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) You know, what what is this? It's just really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, Etrigan uh, goes back into the body of – or releases – I'm about to say Jason Bourne. (laughs) Yeah. Jason Blood. Uh, back, you know, uh, Glenda kind of wanting back over. And it really, I mean, it ends kind of on a sweet little note in Batman and Robin's last little panel of Robin is like, see, she's one of us. You know, I, I don't even know why Robin has his hands out there almost mm-hmm. of like the I told you so type yeah. of thing. And, you know, ends on this nice little, you know, I love you. I love you too. Oh God, I love you too. You know, very, very cheesy, very sappy and romantic. And that's, that's the end of the issue. So yeah, I can see why I didn't continue on. So you're you're a brave, brave soul, brave fan for continuing on with the demon, yeah. <laughs> the demon book. So this is one of those. Had it not been for Tim Drake on the cover, I don't think I I would have probably even blinked at it. You know, I I think I prefer like we were talking about earlier, Etrigan in you know Batman Brave and the Bold. And then the Justice League Dark animated movie that came out a few months ago, uh, he's in that, and I found Etrigan to be a, pr- a pretty cool character. But in his own book here, yeah, just there wasn't enough for me to uh, to uh, chew on. So, what are your thoughts on the as the story ended? Yeah, I just ditto everything you said. <laughs> with an exclamation point um the letter column is kind of funny that the hell you say because you know we were saying how we wish books were a dollar fifty still and one guy wrote in um guru dave he wrote in sorry i couldn't type this one dan but i had to sell my typewriter to buy your comic so <laughs> that whole the whole dollar fifty I, I don't know how much typewriters are going for and then on the last page there's a um uh, a letter from Uncle Elvis again, and says his address is still in the bluegrass state. So, Uncle Elvis, what happened? Um, and then uh, I, I still think the best 
part of this issue and maybe both issues was on the back page uh, or the back cover the the um ads for batman returns because the first issue what is it uh, issue 23 it's just the top of the bat logo just says returns june 19th nothing else and then this one i don't know what it is this this like logo with i think it's snow Snow. it's it's the 90s it could be cocaine i don't know (laughs) you know it it I don't I just love this logo I I bought a, a I don't even like Dorbs but I bought a, I bought Dorbs Batman Return Dorbs just because it had this logo on oh, the top yeah. of the box yeah I, I love this logo so um, that at least like made me happy seeing the Batman Return now I want to go see it in a theater but you know right so that should put the date for you though we're when I say this came out in June well the cover date's June but April twenty first so. You know, DC was gearing up for the promotion for uh, Batman Returns. So I remember, uh, and this is on all the books that month, you know, the back of every single cover. So it's nice to know that this episode is actually going to drop on the the 7th. Is hopefully, as you guys are listening, there's no problems with it uploading. That, uh, you know, back in 1992 time, you would just be a couple weeks away from uh, Batman Returns uh, coming out at the time. So you think I don't know we, we got to wrap this up, but oh gosh, do you think Batman Returns is the most decisive Batman fan among f- f- Bat fans of whether they like it or not, or whether it's good or not? I mean, BVS has got to be up there too. But yeah, oh, am I missing one, or or what? What do you think? You think because no. there's some people who love it and some people who hate it, and my. Uh, I think I would agree uh, with that because I think my opinion has changed over the years. On Batman Returns, I remember trying to convince myself I liked it in the theater. Like all the promotional stuff and the commercials, I I could not wait. I remember walking out of the theater with my girlfriend at the time, and she asking me if I liked it, and I was like, it was it was okay. I enjoyed it, but I was instantly aware that it was a Tim Burton movie that happened to have Batman in it. Like I was like, did I just see Edward Scissorhands Part (laughs) Two? You know, it just it had that. It seemed, regardless of what you think of Batman and Robin, of those four movies, since they kind of consider them all in a connected universe, this seemed the most disconnected from that, that Tim Burton was like, okay, well, I'll do another one, but only if I can do it the way I want to. And then over the last few years, as I'm like wrapping Christmas presents, this is a movie that I put in. So I think over the years... Because I've watched it so much, it's one of those movies that I can recite uh, rather well as it's playing, even if I have the sound off. So I think my opinion is like, it's, it's not too bad, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it, it's in that camp of people either really liked it or they're kind of still like me of going, it's it's okay. you know. Yeah. It, it feels less like Batman. It almost feels like a demon issue. Like, yeah. it's this Tim Burton movie and Batman happens to, to be in it yeah i mean it 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 definitely was making a penguin catwoman movie with batman in it yeah right and i'm torn by it too because there's stuff i love in the movie and then there's stuff that even when i first saw it like gotham city is it just looks like a soundstage it looks so indoors and fake and then the whole thing with the penguins with the rocket launchers at the end was like uh you know but then there's the scene where like the penguins talking to Catwoman, and she puts the bird in her mouth, and everything like that is just like that's 
fantastic. And some of the, the Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle stuff is really good. Yeah. Uh, and I remember seeing like, um, I remember sitting in the theater and there's the one scene where like Batman meets Catwoman and Penguin. And I'm like, oh, there's like three of them on, on the screen at the same time. Like, this is like fantastic. And that Catwoman Batman fight, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember thinking it was really good when I first saw it, you know? So yeah, I don't know. Sorry to get us off track there. No, my my last little bit was, was that fight that I really liked that I think he kind of thinks that she's a woman at first. And when he like kicks her in the stomach and he's, she's like, how could you, I'm a woman. And all of a sudden he comes out of it and then she kicks him off. I was like, Oh wow. You know, that's, that's something that she would do right out of the comics. And then later on, you know, the penguins eating a fish. You yeah, I'm biting some guy's nose. <laughs> yeah, my nose isn't gushing blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh, that's that's our episode uh, today. We thought you know uh, we'd go back and kind of miss uh, a Tim Drake comic. We're trying to go through and pick up you know, the most important beats of it, and this was one that Terrence was like, "Hey, what about that uh, that demon issue?" So now we've done it, and so you can either let us know, hey, I'm glad you did it, or wow, I can see why you skipped it. <laughs> but uh, so I've been saying it for a while. Uh, the next episode that we're going to be recording here uh, pretty shortly again, we will actually officially be finishing Nightfall. I feel like it's taken uh, as long to do it as it actually probably came out. And uh, Tim Jurassi, uh, uh, I can never pronounce his name right. Sorry, Tim, uh, from the Bat fans where Terrence and I were on, we had him uh, on at the beginning of Nightfall, and I thought it would be kind of fitting uh, to bring him on with the four of us and we can talk about Nightfall as a, as a whole and you know kind of what we thought about it. So that will be the next episode, and we're kind of working on a, a few other things here. So uh, it's Memorial Day weekend for Terrence and I, so uh, we're going to get going here. Terrence, you got any uh, final things you want to say before we sign off? No, just uh, I'll give one last howler howl. (laughs) So on the behalf of the howlers, Terrence and Rob, this is uh, Rob and Everyone Loves Drake, and you've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcasting Network. Take care. Bye. A werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and it'll take you to our YouTube page. 
And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways, through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care. Well, I saw Lon Chaney walking with the Queen Doing the werewolves of London I saw Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen Doing the werewolves of London I saw werewolves drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's Hair was perfect.